Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Also, I'm Kate Jinx. I'm Brody Lancaster. Jinxy, it's so good to be back. I know, it's been many weeks. I mean, I've seen you, but not... I've been lining up for a film and felt a tap on my shoulder and it's you running past. Yeah, and they're like, hi, see you, bye. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. Yeah. Hosting some iconic Q&As, panels, etc. Oh, yeah. I mean, the most we spent during... Myth was when you hosted a, a talk called Consuming Culture, and it meant that I had built in a half hour of like pre event coffees <laughs> beforehand. Where we did just default to like, have you watched this yet? Have you watched this? What did you think? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, no, I haven't seen anything. So we have done a lot of talking in front of microphones in front of each other. Yeah. Just, just on, not to each other. Only one of us was allowed a microphone. <laughs> That's so true. Now we both have one. So democratic. It's so democratic. I love equality. <laughs> How do you feel after MIF? Yesterday was, as one of our programmers, Mia, would say, coffin vibes. Um, but <laughs> You've heard of goblin vibe or what is goblin it? Goblin mode. Goblin mode. Yeah, this, is, this was the opposite of that, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I just had a, had a good big... <laughs> Sleep. Yeah, it was exhausting. It was very fun. It was very tricky um, at mm-hmm. times, you know. But yeah, it was great. And uh, it was so nice getting all these messages from people who had listened to See Also and had gone to see films that we'd recommended and, you know, had also like asked about other questions or recommended other films to us. It was a nice time. I only managed to see, I don't know, like three films. I mean, I've seen pretty much everything in the festival. Of course, you're always like, 
well, I would love to see that film again when it's on at MIF, but yeah, yeah. it just did not get the chance. But I did see the film that I was really excited about that I hadn't seen, uh, De Humani, Corpus Fabrica, mm-hmm. the, the one that was set across five different French hospitals. And it was an absolute highlight for me. Really? Yeah. What about you? I feel like I had the experience the last few weeks that you had in the lead up to MIF of just being like, another another movie. I got another movie <laughs> ahead of me. I think it was the most time I've spent outside of my house in like consecutive days and hours and weeks for like three years, truly. You know, I overbooked myself and thought I would cancel on a few. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of my run. Um, you know, there were a few nights where I just absolutely could not make it into another cinema. Yeah, and there were times when you would text me and go, I'm not going to make it. And I'd say, you need to. And then you, <laughs> I'd get another message going, yeah, I'm seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very easily peer pressured. <laughs> and then as soon as I said I was seeing it, you'd be like, sorry, <laughs> you don't have to. I was like, well, I'm going now. <laughs> and I'm always glad that I did. Um, that's the thing. Even if you come out and you're like, mm, mid, like three stars on Letterboxd, I'm, I'm always grateful that I'm like, that I've made it to the cinema. Yeah, me too. And we had like a lot of really great guests this year as well. So like a lot of Q&As and introductions and yeah, yeah, like time for the filmmakers to be able to speak about their films and Mm. um, the audiences to kind of interact. And that was really, yeah, it was really nice because I haven't been to a festival that has had that kind of element, you know, purely because of the pandemic. So that was great. Yeah, you get so much context for for it too, like both before and after, like we talked in our pre myth kind of recommendations episode about Charlie Shackleton's the afterlight and Charlie did a brief introduction that really set up what we're about to experience. And then a more in-depth Q and A at the end, for example, and stuff like that. It just feels really essential to have like the filmmaker there in person. Yeah. And it was nice because I do the talks and in conversations as well. And so we had a couple that were sort of dedicated to one film or a theme amongst, you know, some of the films and yeah, they were, they were just a delight. Yeah. Really good. And I capped it off. My final film of the festival was one that you programmed, Homosexuality, a film for discussion, and then a Q&A led by you, which was just a goddamn delight. It was a real uh, privilege to, yeah, to be able to talk to those filmmakers, Barbara Creed, Margot Nash and Robin Laurie about their work that they were doing in the 70s and then what they're making now. And yeah, it was just so, I don't know. I like, I love watching all the new films, obviously, but it's such a pleasure to share like archival films and Mm -hmm. films that have been restored or films that are kind of little seen or yeah. Especially like programmed. So kind of in such a considered way, like all three of them put together. was so good. This is just compliments time. Jinxie compliments time. That one goes out to Kate Fitzpatrick as well. (laughs) So what are your kind of post event plans? What's your come down schedule? Like yesterday I, uh, got home very early, late in the morning, and then from a party that had a lot of afters, you know, preceding it. Uh-huh. And, and then I watched the show all day that I think we're about to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did your first binge of mm, August. I did, yeah, I did. I watched my first TV show all day yesterday, and that was so good. But yeah, I'm. I don't know. I feel like this morning. I certainly didn't have a brain yesterday, but today like the day after I felt like I got a tiny bit of my brain back. Mm. 
Which I don't know, do you have that when you finish like a big project? Oh, yeah. And like, you just like, you can't think, everything's foggy and like not in an illness way, but like, you just can't, like it's just, there's too much crowding you in really your brain. You really are like on, on zero, like the well yeah. is dry, the battery is empty. Yeah. yeah. And then, I don't know, something kind of clicks a little bit later and I think you're inspired again or you're thinking about other projects you want to do or that's where I'm at today, which is a nice place. You got a podcast to record. You got that podcast to record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, I'm good. I feel like I'm doing a lot of, um, you know, I told you off mic, did a therapy session today, doing a lot of work on my relationship to work. Just another job to do. But it's good. It's all going to be positive. I really just want to pack it all in and do nothing and go on a trip either very close to home for like a weekend or like very far away for an indefinite amount of time. I've got really itchy feet at the moment. Oh, I hear ya. I yeah. hear ya. Yeah. I just booked a little place in like country Victoria to take myself and my dog to do my own little writer's residency. Does it have a, a little fire? Weeks. Yes, there is a fire. Maybe I'll book it right after you. Well, there are, there are two nights after mine that are free and there's, there's <laughs> uh, bookings until like October, end of October. So oh my God, great. think well, about it. We are going in, as you well know, we are going to footy finals month. So oh, as I well know, yes. As you'd well know, mm. Kate. Mm-hmm. So I'm now at the point, I've just been juggling the end of the football season with Miff for the last few weeks. I'm and so sorry, DL. <laughs> now I'm realizing that all my post Miff weekends where I'm like, this is where I'm going to get all that shit done that I haven't been able to do for ages. I'm talking about it like I worked at the festival PS. I was just going to the movies a lot. But um, now that I have all these weekends free, it's also the time of year when like I can't make plans more than a weekend in advance because mm-hmm. if my team wins a game and then wins another game and then wins another game, we might be in a grand final. And I learned years ago when I was promoting my book that came out in 2017, you can't book for example, an interstate writers festival at the end of September, because then you might not be there to watch your team win their first premiership in 37 years. So I learned my lesson the hard way. Okay. All right. Anyway. So you're keeping everything clear. I'm trying my best to, I'm trying my best to have movable commitments on weekends in September. Mm -hmm. I get you. But anyway, if anyone wants to hang out with me, you you still can. (laughs) Please invite (laughs) me to things. Yeah, I watched this video on the New York Times um, social media pages this week that made me really want to book a trip to the desert, specifically the Nevada desert. Mm-hmm. And it's like for years I've wanted to go to Vegas. I want to like do Vegas. I've heard you got to do max 48 hours before the city starts to take your soul. I want to go to the Pepper Mill, this, you know, iconic restaurant. And I want to like wear a suit kind of like the Beastie Boys in the Sure Shot video. Perfect. Yeah, I saw this video that Michael Heiser, the kind of famous beacon of the land art movement, who has been working on this like strange mythical sculptural project in the middle of the Nevada desert for 50 years, has finally finished it. And it's called City and it's going to be open to the public later this year. And they're going to sell like six tickets a day. And I just really want one of those tickets. It, it looks incredible. It looks like, like I, I just look at it and I'm like, I want to go and just like feel really insignificant and teeny tiny and just like walk around here and feel just absolutely minuscule, like standing next to an Anish Kapoor sculpture, but mm-hmm. like at 
a kind of massive scale. Yeah, that sounds really nice. It sounds really nice. I just want to like fuck myself up emotionally in the <laughs> desert, but not in a Burning Man way. You know oh, what I yeah, mean? No, no. Yeah. I, I don't see Burning Man in your future. No, no, no. But it's like, you know, a very fine line to walk. I, it is. Yes, <laughs> sure. I, oh, there's just nowhere I would want to be less in, like at any point in my life. Yeah. Nowhere. Nowhere. Even like Coachella is pushing the limits of like sweaty and dusty. Mm -mm. Yeah. But Burning Man, I couldn't even do it like the Paris Hilton way, which is when you're like (laughs) chop it in and like driven everywhere you want to go. Um, and then driven home again in an air conditioned car. I couldn't even do that. I don't think the people would annoy me too much. You couldn't unsee it. You just couldn't unsee those, um, costumes. No matter how much MDMA I'd allegedly do, I would be so annoyed. (laughs) I'd be so mad at every human encounter. But as we learned from Fire Island, the movie, if you take MDMA, you can't have a bad night. It's impossible to have a bad night on MDMA. Yeah, lesson learned, Bo and Yang. Um, on that, I saw that same social media post and I noted that um, Roz Chaste, who the New Yorker cartoonist, had commented on it saying that she wanted to go there, but she wanted to leave just like one doll, like a doll head or like doll part <laughs> in part of the sculpture in a really hidden way so that when people would come out of seeing it, they'd be like, wow, it was like beautiful and immense but did you see that one creepy doll? <laughs> and then she did um, on her Instagram, which is so worth, it is so worth following her. She did this terrible little collage where she put four dolls uh, into the sculpture and she just wrote four measly dolls. <laughs> and it just really amused me. Anyway, Oh, I love that. I, I, I almost got involved in discourse in the comments of that post oh. because the second it got, you know, it's published and they mentioned that he estimates he spent $50 million or $40 million on it over the past 50 years, but it's kind of like, no one fucking cares about this thing. I'm the only one who does. He's like finangled money and like employed people in the local community, but for whatever else, it's like he's created something phenomenal mm-hmm. and like jaw dropping. Even me describing it right now, you have to see pictures of it to really grasp the scale of it. But the comments are all either looks like a skate park or that money could have fed the homeless. Mm. That money could have put people through school. That money could have uh, fought climate change. That like all these reasons that like money used for art, art for art's sake and art and beauty for beauty's sake, mm-hmm. the things that make life worth living, for example, yeah. are somehow like not valuable because they're like not a painting or like not something you can understand or whatever else. And it just, it led me to late last night, Googling most expensive films ever produced. And (laughs) I wrote this comment that was like, oh, so art's only worth spending money on when it's Pirates of the Caribbean or James Bond or Harry Potter or Star Wars. And I posted it and then I was like, Brody, what have we what have we learned about getting into the discourse? <laughs> yeah, don't do it. And I got so embarrassed. I was really tail between my legs, deleting my own comment. I support you. I stand by the statement, just uh, yeah. not the act of commenting. I know. It's like, well, what about all the money used for the military? But anyway. Mm. Yeah, look, I support you posting it and then deleting it, which is 
you know, it's like when you send, when you get an email that really upsets you or a text message and then you compose one to send back and then you're like, now I don't have to send it. Yeah. It's the act of, I got it. I had to get it out of my system. Mm. I'm yeah. glad you did. Thank you. A few weeks ago, I gave a, a borderline unhinged recap of the season of Beverly Hills Housewives so far. But Jinxie, you're up to date now. Is that right? Yes, it was the one thing that I managed to watch purely because of your unhinged recap as well. I was like, what am I missing? I gave this up and now, oh, you know. Just when I'm out, again. again. Um, yeah, so I'm up to date on Rehoboha. Uh-huh. I even did watch one episode of that other ex-wives thing that you talked about. Yeah. I can't remember the name. Um, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Ex-Wives Club. Yes. I, do, I can't do it. Okay. It was nice to see the fish room again um, and nice to see a few people standing up for it, but I'm out of that. It's really hard to watch Dorinda. It's hard to watch Surinder, it's hard to watch Brandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I couldn't couldn't do it. Yeah. But yeah, Rahabaha, I'm back in. I'm finding it not as you know, not as pleasurable as it used to be, I have to say, partly because of Erica. Yeah, it's quite abrasive these days, right? Well, I just after last season. You know, she was always kind of the, is she the villain? Is she, you know. The women. Yeah, but then after last year, it's like she literally is a villain. I cannot look past it. She's like the bad guys in uh, Beethoven. (laughs) (laughs) She's like rubbing her rich fingers. She's Mr. Burns. Yeah, I just can't do it. I just, yeah, I just, she's, like she's always been quite disingenuous, but now I don't know. Well, the character is so exaggerated now that it's like real housewives question mark Mm -hmm. because it's like the cost of her glam and her music quote-unquote career was like fifty thousand dollars a month but also she has no money but they're still there on the show Mm. and she's putting on a voice that she never had before and she's doing this like they just come to watch me suffer. Like this <laughs> this performance that oh, yeah. is so unconvincing. And she's also doing this like kind of like substance abuse storyline. Which, yeah, which is, doesn't seem, I don't know. I'm like, is it for real? Is she really that? And like one episode she'll be like, you're right. I have a problem. I have to figure it out. And then two episodes later, she's like, you thought I was drinking too much. And it's like, you said you were, babe. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's bad messy at this point. Yeah, it's just like deflection and it's, yeah, you're right, it's messy. It's like if you're going to lie, just be good at it or Mm -hmm. be entertaining. I think she and Rinna think they're killing it. Rinna certainly thinks she's killing it. They think they are the stars of this show. And I'm like, look to your left, meet Sutton Strack, babe. (laughs) Yeah, Sutton is one of those people you're just like, is she good? Is she bad? But she's interesting. I can't look away. I want to watch her every dang yeah. week going on a date, wearing like a little poodle sweater with her little skinny bird legs on a date. Yeah, she's she's an odd bird. She's a really odd little bird. But like her friendship with Garcelle and Crystal, even though I find Crystal like mm. sadly so boring, mm-hmm. she's yes, not made for television. Well, she certainly is not. Her darkness is too, it's too real Mm. for TV and she's not sure how to make it a storyline yet, you know? Yeah. Gus L's the MVP. God, isn't she? God, she's good. They're all so threatened by Garcelle. It's a really classic, like, mean girl behavior. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Her to camera is a great. She's very good. She's so good. Diana, though, does feel like allegedly a sex trafficker. 
allegedly uh she does feel like that yes um <laughs> that's the vibe i'm getting an alleged sex trafficker vibe from even, her even like um asha who is her so, oh, for, God, so for listeners who don't watch housewives uh diana jenkins is a bosnian refugee who married like one of britain's richest men and when they got divorced she became a very wealthy person is very connected in the entertainment industry and rumors have persisted for over a decade that she is has this kind of like Rosetta Stone, they say, of like she's the clue to unlocking like the real secret underbelly of like Hollywood sex trafficking, allegedly. But she is now a housewife and she is like in her she's like 50, I think, and has a 33 year old husband whose name is Asha who, if I didn't know better, I would have thought was a showman in Luann's uh, cabaret <laughs> show, you know? Yeah, he's cuckoo for cabaret. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in one episode, he says, girl, to Erica. So, I mean, Asha, I have questions about. But oh, yeah. I mean, he's there to sing on camera so that he gets a record deal. Absolutely. It's a real long game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know if he's older than the, her other kids or younger. I don't know. And then they've got a baby together. They have a baby together. He posted a gallery of photos for her son's birthday, which was a very loving and beautiful mm-hmm. and seemed like they have a very close relationship. Okay, great. Diana's son has a girlfriend who we've seen on the show and her dad is Damon Dash. And her mom, like record label, okay, big time record label executive, her mom is the woman who Beyonce allegedly wrote Becky with the good hair about because she allegedly oh. cheated with Jay-Z oh. and allegedly that's why Solange hit Jay-Z yeah. in the elevator. <gasps> so that's the girl who's like making out with Diana's son on the couch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I love that bit of knowledge. Thank you, B.O. So, yeah, Diana really is like the... She knows all the she knows cool her. young girls in Hollywood. <laughs> she sure does. Yeah. Seeing of cool young people or just young people in Hollywood in general, um, loved Kyle's sudden mic drop moment when she talked about how she used to go roller skating as a child star with like the cast of uh, Different Strokes and the Jackson 5. And we got to see a photo of it. Yeah, it I'm, is. I mean, I knew that Kathy Hilton was good friends with Michael Jackson. Mm. They had a pact to both name their daughters Paris, etc. But, like, I didn't quite make the connection that he and Kyle would have been, like, child stars at the same time. Mm. Yeah. I want to watch a TV show about actor kids at a roller rink. Like, why isn't that? That's a... I don't know. I, like yeah. that seems like a film to me. I think when Kyle made her show, like based on her mom growing up, I don't know if she fully grasps what is interesting about their childhood. Yeah. Like, I know because it wasn't great. American Woman. Yeah, the casting was good. The casting was good. Kathy Hilton didn't understand the concept of a fictionalized TV show. No. <laughs> Are you feeling like the show is setting her up for her big demise this season? Kathy, yes. It is all leading to Kathy. They're keeping in little asides that she's saying, like, you know, you can't say anything anymore and you're going to get cancelled. Or, yeah. It's, yeah. And all of them kind of having something to say. Like, Kathy will come out with one of her silly little Kathy quips and Kyle will be like, Kathy, come on. Or Dorit will be like, Kathy, it's really serious. 
So you can see that they're building to some kind of uh, moment. Yeah, it's a bit more than who is hunky-dory this season, isn't it? Yeah, Kathy's getting season two Housewives treatment, which is, oh, you thought you could be a fan fave? Bitch, we're going to destroy your reputation <laughs> and pay you for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm back in. Oh, my God. I can't get away. We're deeply in. Mm -hmm. I really want to order the wind chimes. (laughs) They're so chic. Dorit's wind chimes. My birthday's in January, everybody. So chic. Okay, so I said that I was feeling, uh, you know, not at my best, not at my peak yesterday, the day after the festival, I think it's fair to say. But the thing that really saved me was... The reboot of A League of Their Own. Oh, my God. I watched the entire thing in one go. It is such a good binge. I did the same thing last week. I had to take a sick day (laughs) and I got through all but one episode. It was so good, BL. It's so good. I mean, I shouldn't sound so surprised, I guess, but I kind of am. Like, it's it's not surprisingly good. It's just like I'm delighted with how great it is. Yeah, I'm delighted. Yeah. Let's talk about the original film. Were you like a big fan? Not growing up. I feel like I discovered it quite late. Like I think I watched it when I was really young, but it never really had an impact on me until I was a little bit older. And I think I understood it as like a cult classic, I guess. Yeah. In my head, like growing up, I was like, oh, it's that Tom Hanks baseball movie where he says... (laughs) There's no crying in baseball. Mm. Like that was the extent of it. Now we're like, that was that Penny Marshall. The Penny Marshall classic mm-hmm. starring Gina Davis, women's diversity on screen campaigner Gina Davis, <laughs> Madonna, Rosie, the gals. The gals. Your fave, Laurie Petty. Yes, uh, Laurie Petty, indeed. Um, I Look, I actually came to it late too. I don't know how I missed this film when I was mm. growing up. I I have zero idea of how I missed this. But anyway, I'm look, I'm making up for lost time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I only watched this, oh yeah, like a year and a half ago for the first time. Mm. Great, but Laurie Petty, I just couldn't, I guess she was so irritating. <laughs> She's I so annoying. I wanted Gina Davis to leave her behind. I was like, just leave that, leave that one. It's like, like, you don't need her with you. Gina Davis has a husband in the military, but somehow her like punky little sister is her ball and chain fucking mm-hmm. tying her down. Oh yeah, she really frustrated me. Yeah, she sucked. But like, um. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? I was just like, oh, Laurie. Laurie Petty. I mean, our feelings about Laurie Petty's uh, uh, oeuvre have been made clear. Yeah. Except um, for Tank Girl. Okay. I you know I've never seen Tank Girl? Oh, you should watch it. Okay. I haven't seen it since it came out, I, but I would love to watch I it again. I know enough to know that that's like a big admission, like confession. Uh, same as I only watched Ali their own two years ago. I yeah. Think, but. Yeah. But, you know, I loved Marla Hooch. Oh, Etc. Mm-hmm. in the original, mm-hmm. my beautiful queen, who's been out promoting the new series, I think. Oh, as really? Well. That's cute. Yeah, it's been there's been some cute little tie-ins. Yeah. Well, okay, so this series reboots it pretty much entirely. It is still about the, you know, women's baseball leagues. Yeah, it kind of takes the the subtext and the like implied queerness of women's sports and makes it text, which is delightful. It's Really good. I really was surprised that it was so utterly gay. Yeah. There's a moment in the original film where Gina Davis is going to try out for the league 
and there's a black woman who wants to try out, is told she can't. She pitches the ball to Gina Davis and who catches it and is kind of like, oh, damn, that girl can throw. And then she leaves and she's not in the film anymore. And so the series kind of follows the proxy for that character, Max, played by Shantae Adams, who is just... She's so good. I mean, no one's ever looked more beautiful on screen before. She's incredible and follows her and her own story that's kind of running parallel and diverting in some ways to those of the white women who are allowed to... or the white passing women who are allowed to play in the league. Yeah, I really liked that, that Mm. that particular storyline of the creators, Abby Jacobson and... Will Graham. Yeah, that they then just kind of make it such a fantasy that the black woman was actually just allowed to play on the team and like during the war and that was all fine. Yeah, it really played with my expectations because I think I went in with a kind of naive, like happy ending kind of mentality where I was like, oh, but she'll like be on the team in episode two, I had the right? Same, yeah, I had the same thing. I guess we should probably say there might be a few spoilers, but yeah. we'll try to keep this, it's spoil. Let's say like, we won't, you know, we'll keep it spoiler light. Yeah, it's spoiler light. Like uh, hopefully you've watched it by now, but if you haven't, like this is not going to spoil your viewing no, experience by not. any means. But yeah, there is, it kind of doesn't make it so that the white women welcome in this black woman in the 1940s as we would do today or as they mm. those characters maybe wanted to do, but um, it shows a real understanding of, like, the reality of, like, race relations at the time. Yeah, and what we get is a much richer storyline because it means that we get to spend a third of the whole series basically in Max's world and seeing what Max is going through and how she just really wants to play ball, but all these expectations from her own parents, particularly her mother and like this excellent relationship with her best friend, Clance, who was like a dream. MVP. A dream. And then like her exploring her own sexuality and also the relationship with her uncle Bertie, mm-hmm. who is just what a great character. Such an incredible storyline. Yeah. To have this like black trans mask character who's like married and has a wife and like lives on the fringes of town and has but, these but wild a, goddamn parties with an incredible community. Yeah. yeah. It's, like all of that was so good. And it was like, yeah, we kind of get all the outsider story and segregation, but also being ostracized from your own family. But then the yeah finding a community and like making you know a chosen family which is Mm. and it's done really well in this series yeah they they do a really good job of telling queer stories in a way that doesn't make it seem like it was this fantasy or something I mean obviously in some ways it did exist on the fringes but also that these communities were able to find each other people were able to find each other and have really loving serious relationships at the time when one of the big fucked up goals of the all-american league is that these girls are made up and dolled up and they don't show any signs of being like masculine or queer in any way visually and so you see you know for example Darcy Carden's character is going out and waving and blowing kisses to all the fellas and going on dates with chaperones and things like that because she understands that like really vital need for the public and the private to exist in like completely separate worlds yeah that it's um yeah just part of the game I yeah. suppose yeah um and like and it's all about protection it's like about protecting yourself and 
Uh, yeah, not because that sort of visibility was unable to, mm. yeah, it couldn't, couldn't exist in mm. that particular space at that time. Yeah, Darcy Carden is really good. I've never seen her in a role I like know, this right? one. Like she's playing this like full-on bombshell character. She's the Madonna character. Yeah. You know, if we're if we're gonna do like a like for like comparison to the original, you know, she's she's the, the Madonna character. She's got her kind of little partner in crime who's played by Melanie Field, who is just amazing and is like the Rosie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get actual Rosie. Then you get Rosie. <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell's was... appearance in the series is mwah, so great and her much better than her appearance in the reboot of the l word <laughs> i got to say it's 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 not a great it's it's not a great role on on that reboot uh, for it, for rosie is but this rosie's look at the moment or did she kind of do this look for a league of their own or is that what she looked I think like that's on, pretty yeah, yeah that's it's pretty rosie's i haven't seen her in a little look. while um, but her vl- her vlog that she posted. Up. You should catch up with her. I really should. Her little vlog that she posted on Instagram about like going to set to film a league of their own is just so. It's so sweet and like boomer. Like she's taken a bunch of photos and then used like the iPhone montage feature to put them all together, set to music. That's cute. I need to see that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, she's really good in it. Um, the cast is very. Very good. It's really good. And it's nice to see Abby Jacobson in this kind of a role too. It's like a more dramatic role Mm -hmm. than we've seen her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Yeah, yeah. there are these characters on the team too, like Kelly McCormack who plays Jess McCready, uh, Roberta Colindres who plays Lupe Garcia who is just like has a really fully formed fleshed out role that it's, it's like they really turn their noses up against these kind of like sidekicks or like, backing players to the stars yeah there are only like three people like there are three players or like maybe one player actually who gets barely a line on the show and i'm like maybe you'll be you'll we'll see you in season two or maybe you're on the cutting room floor for a reason i don't know barely a name yeah yeah um but roberta colindres i was so pleased to see uh to see her in this show i mean she's good really good she has been great in everything I've... I saw her in Fun Home um, on in, on Broadway. Oh, wow. Um, Did she play the Alison Bechdel character? No, she plays Joan, the, like, lesbian who, uh, like, starts up something with the Alison Bechdel character uh-huh. and sort of explains what queerness is to her. Oh, it's like changing my... What is it? Changing my major to Joan is, all, is like, oh. that song about that character. And... Uh, a little, a little thing, um, like a weird, um, suite of sea also's uh-huh. is that in fun home, one of the like big queer, like canonical items for Alison Bechdel was finding this book, um, which was uh, the book of the documentary word is out. Uh, these are stories of some of our lives, which is my, my favorite documentary I've made. It was made in the seventies, 1974, I think by the Mariposa collective, where they interviewed um, queer people about their lives and like a very kind of a swathe of different people, huge cross-section of the queer community uh, in the States at the time. And, uh, oh, God, it's so good. Anyway, and the book is great. Anyway, but there's one woman who was uh, interviewed in the, in the documentary named Pat Bond 
and she was in the military and she talks about like her time in the military and like all of the lesbians in the military and like queer people Mm. and Dale Dickey's character as the chaperone in this who like was in the navy or the military like really reminded me of that oh she is one of my favorite little kind of like non-main characters in the A League of Their Own ripoff. Just the little, uh, just in a collection of very small moments, how much you get to know about that that woman. Oh, she's so good. Yeah. She was great in this film that just came out. It was a myth called A Love Song. She was oh. also in Winter's Bone. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got one of the best faces on screen ever. Such an incredible, incredible. face. Um, but just on Roberta Calindra, still sorry, Please. not obsessed or anything. But, obsessed um, with these links. She, well, have you seen her Vita? No. Oh, okay. Well, that's a big see also. Okay. It's um one of those stars series, which is you're kind of like, yeah. It's a, it's a show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I've had a number of seasons. It's on, I think it's on Stan. I've heard of it, yeah. Um, and it's about these two sisters who um, move back to Boyle Heights, um, just outside of LA, uh, to basically take over their mother's bar after their mum dies. And they both have a lot of issues with like how they were raised and their mom and, and they are, they take over the bar and they kind of make it this queer venue. And it's all about like gentrification of Boyle Heights. It's really good, Mm. but it's also, it's like very much a soap opera. So like watch it with that in mind. It has some very intense sex scenes uh, as well. Great. And uh, yeah, Roberta Calindra's plays like a, cool bartender i mean i want to watch her in everything her face watch that her face was so familiar to me and i realized she had like one scene in girls as adam's roommate who tells hannah that he's sober at the like famous bushwick party episode (laughs) yes yeah her name's like taco (laughs) but that's all i remember she was also in um i love dick Oh, I never watched that adaptation. I think it, it's worth watching. Is it? Yeah, I think it's worth watching. Okay. And um, it's on, I think that's on Amazon that you can still watch that. I feel like at the time I hunted it down, there was like one episode out and it had been months or something since mm. it had come out. And I was like, what's happening with this? Yeah, I mean, it's not like the, the best show, but it's there's okay. enough in there. And if you're like a Chris Krause fan, yeah. you, it's a must, yeah. obviously. Okay. But um. Yeah, it's worth it. Anyway, that's my Roberta Calindra's See Also Deep Dive. J'adore. You mentioned Clance before, but like her her side storyline is just so beautiful with her husband and her obsession with comic books. There are just these little moments where like Max will come home and Clance is drawing and muttering to herself, writing dialogue. And then by the end, kind of like drawing her friend as like a baseball playing superhero, which so cool. I just adore, like in my dream, because <laughs> it's the 1940s. I'm like, oh, maybe she starts making the comic books that like little baby Elvis was reading at the start of Elvis uh-huh. Brackets 2022 by Baz Luhrmann. Uh-huh. And Baz Luhrmann and Baz Luhrmann. Because <laughs> as we know, baby Elvis hated segregation and <laughs> took everything from his <laughs> his African-American community. <laughs> that, uh, that meme of like, but he's white, is, <laughs> it has amused me. He's white. <laughs> the snowman. <laughs> the snowman. The snowman. Snowman. Yeah, the way they kind of kept those, kept the two worlds distinct but found ways for them to kind of bleed together and and Abby's character Carson and Max 
you know, have these moments of playing baseball together, but also just like talking and over time, like slowly coming to form this like friendship and talk about their queerness in ways that are like very careful, but really lovely. Yeah. I I also loved um, Clance's take on Wizard of Oz that she was so like, it's really racist. It's colonialism. I found that very, yeah, I I really enjoyed that they put that in and also that Frank Oz actually was really racist. Yeah, he was, it was quite dark. It's kind of like when you realize how dark Walt Disney was, right? It's like, oh. Yeah, Yeah, so he used to, before he wrote Wizard of Oz, he ran a newspaper and he would just like espouse all this, like he was supportive of genocide against um, Native Americans and First Nations people. Uh Like support actively it was like this is good no he was like this is something that should happen we should these people should be eradicated right and um yeah he potentially influenced the wounded knee massacre (laughs) yeah so this is bad and the family actually apologized um for his um for everything he wrote like maybe five or six years ago in america it was like a big deal Mm. at the time but Mm. i was like this is I, you know, this is great that we've got this like double edged sword of the Wizard of Oz where, you know, Clance and Max go to see it. And that's like Clance's takeaway and they mm. have to leave the film because she's so angry about it. And then on the flip side, you've got the uh, like queer white characters who are getting so much like gayness out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it brings in like the friends of Dorothy, etc. Yeah, Yeah. I really... I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed all of the... All of all of these people from very different worlds, like, interacting with the same thing. And yeah, coming getting away, something being like, out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Mm. Kate Berlant talking about oh botulism. We haven't even mentioned Kate Berlant playing, like, a little bible bashing gal who's, like, terrified of Are eating they canned foods. Are they queers? It's contagious. <laughs> she's, she's really... Everyone's great in it. And, like, you mentioned um, Kelly McCormick before, and I've never seen her in anything. And I looked her up and I was like, no, nothing. But she just really steals the show in every scene she's she in. She has a with great that long face. face. Oh, my God. I feel like I've been... Like, this show is in production for, I think, a really long time. Yeah, it has been. I have, um, like, screenshots that I've been clearing out of my phone from when it was first announced in 2019. And, you know, the production was really protracted because of COVID, obviously. But I feel like there were set photos or maybe someone tagged Kelly McCormick in some kind of a League of Their Own announcement like three years ago. So I've just been following her on Instagram since. Waiting, waiting. And then like every now and then she would post something and I'd be like, who's this? And then I'd be like, oh, the baseball movie. (laughs) (laughs) I, I also really like the direction of many of the episodes, and I thought it was particularly cool that Jamie Babbitt directed three episodes, including the first. Yeah. Of course, she directed But I'm a Cheerleader, but she's also directed a lot of TV, Only Murders in the Building, Girls, etc. Yeah, that felt like a very um, stars-aligning kind of choice of a director for yeah. a show like this. Yeah, truly. Jamie Babbitt, I, I mean, where was Natasha Leone in this movie, in this I series? Mean, yeah, well, exactly. Well, I, I guess she's... Russian dolling it. She could have got on that train and gone back to 1945. <laughs> Maybe season two we'll, we'll get a glimpse. <laughs> a crossover event. Yeah, I hope so. Remember when NBC used to do that all the time and it'd be like, the cast of Community is in the background of Parks and Recreation this week. Oh, no, that's yeah, funny. Yeah. Remember there was an episode of Northern Exposure, which I really used to love. Uh-huh. 
where it was sure it was season one and it was being uh, like critics were saying it was too close to Twin Peaks and it was like ripping off Twin Peaks because like quirky yes. small town blah 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 and then they did one episode where like some of them go to a waterfall at something and then like the music suddenly shifts and they all start clicking and it's like this very Lynchian mm. nod and it's like a joke about Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. Yeah, anyway, that's that's that. <laughs> Shout out Northern Exposure. Shout out Northern Exposure. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have anything Northern Exposure to, to add. Do you know that lesbians founded the... Jesus Christ. What did they do? Oh, lesbians founded the town of uh, Sicily where they where it's set. <laughs> you see it in a flashback very briefly in an episode in like season two. And I don't know why that is still in my brain, but it is. I really like that it is. I oh. want to know what lesbians got up to. And that's why I come to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm always making this very gay. I, you're making a league of their own really gay <laughs> no, <it's just> podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, BL likes guys. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Abby Jacobson um, wrote a book a few years ago, which is like a little see also really lovely. She goes into detail about kind of her process of reckoning with like her first queer relationship. And she goes into like a lot of career stuff like around Broad City, but it's very personal and it's kind of the setting is she wrote it while taking this road trip from New York to LA. And it just makes for this really beautiful kind of like forward momentum in what is otherwise like a very personal memoir style book, which I really recommend. It's called I Might Regret This. And she talked about it and A League of Their Own in great detail recently on this podcast that I've just discovered. And I feel like I'm very late to the party. Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso. Our mutual friend Jinxie Emily recommended the Lena Dunham episode to me. And I went through and I was like, oh, there are interviews with like every creative person I enjoy, like Hmm. Jenny Slate and John Early. And there's just like this incredible archive of interviews and really in-depth personal interviews. So yeah, recommend that podcast, but the Abby Jacobson uh, episode in particular is oh, really great. Cool. I haven't read her book. I have it. I'm going to read it now. It's really nice. Like I read it while I was traveling a lot at some point. So I was like, I remember kind of taking it with me, like on a long car trip, on a long train ride, on a plane trip, you know? And so mm-hmm. I kind of, it's a real like travel travel book. Oh, cool. Good. Yeah. I, th- I need that right now. Mm. That's great. I also want to talk about the music in this because I thought it was quite interesting that as the show starts, the music is very true to the time. Mm. And then we're getting like a lot of swing music, etc., like big band. Mm. And then it expands, I feel, as the storylines do. Like this is only something I've thought about recently. I mean, I watched it yesterday, but something I thought about after seeing the whole series. So I don't know that that's exactly true, but I think I just noticed the music switching in this great scene when uh, Max and Clance are walking through the factory and ESG's It's All Right plays in the background. And I was like, oh, okay, this is not, we're out of the 40s. Yeah, there's some kind of like progress going on here. Yeah, I thought that was quite cool. We'll put a link into like a playlist of all the music from the series because it's actually, it's, it's really nicely yeah. done. I didn't take that much notice of um, that shift in the music, but I kind of feel like this is a show I'm going to revisit. Yeah, I quite was a bit. really sad when it ended. Yeah. I woke up this morning and thought, could I just 
repeat yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the first half of episode six, but not the end. There is kind of, it ends with all of them talking about like the end of the baseball season and like, see you next season. So it's kind of like next season of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. And I, you know, I'm, I mean, it's got, obviously it's got to happen. It's so good. It's like a really, really wonderful take on like IP, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I can't really think of another reboot that I have truly like uh, that I've thought is like doing something new or mm. is kind of, yeah, taking that IP and, and making it its own. Mm. Yeah. Like everything I've seen, I've been like, yeah, it's because we all feel very comfortable and familiar about these storylines and these characters. And yeah, it's like 20 years later, but it's. Yeah. I guess the last thing that had that effect on me was, and it's not the same thing at all, but like Shrill, for example, they were quite loyal to like Lindy West's memoir in season one, but then they were like, okay, now this is a character and she has a world and relationships and like what would happen to her next and the way they expanded on that as the years kind of went by, I really loved. Yeah, I really loved Shrill. I hope it, do you, is it coming back? No, it's all done. Oh no. Yeah, but they like, they knew it was ending. So they ended it where they oh, yeah, like did wanted end well. to. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. I'll stop. Wishing and hoping. That's another binge I feel like that I want to do again. Yeah, I'd rewatch. Yeah. There's a pretty incredible gay bar scene in this TV show. I don't want to give too much away about it. But I thought if you're interested in that side of things, I feel like every episode or every second episode, I'm like, you should watch Will You Ever Forgive Me? But there's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. we The last episode, we were like, what's her name? Lee Israel? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we haven't forgiven her, obviously. Like, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Oh, yes. Okay. The Lee Israel movie, which is very good. Anyway, there's a great, there's a couple of good gay bar scenes in that. They go to Julius in the West Village a lot, but uh, they also go to another one where Vivian Bond is performing and it's just a really beautiful moment on screen. But also um, J.D. Sampson made a little doc for Vice many years ago Mm. called The Last Lesbian Bars, which we'll put a link to. Uh, that God, is, that was great. Yeah, like traveling across America and interviewing, you know, people who still have lesbian bars or, or ones that have closed down. Anyway, mm. that's it. Jinxie, it's time to give some recommendations. It's been a few weeks without any also's. What have you been enjoying lately? Well, I'm not even going to recommend a movie. Great. I know, right? Sick of them. <laughs> They're done. <laughs> They're done. We'll see you in August next year. Uh, I've got to listen also. There's a band I've been really enjoying lately. They're called Sylvie. It's Ben Schwab from Drug Dealer, Marina Allen and Sam Burton, who all make music separately, but they've come together to make this band. Sylvie, who their music kind of is inspired by tapes of Ben's dad's old band that was called Mad Anthony. And apparently like these tapes were like found in the attic or whatever. And their, their music sort of captures the vibe of what his dad's music was. Um, it's very Laurel Canyon, like 60s, 70s folk, a little bit country. I love it. Like I, I really listen to them constantly. There's not very much from them that you can listen to. Mm-hmm. They've got like a single called Stealing Time that's pretty new. And they had like a five song EP last year that was self-titled. But I think they've got something new coming out and Ben did a really amazing playlist, like a mix of musical influences and the general vibe of the band. And if you liked my recommendation for Lornette's Hour on NTS Live in like the first or second episode, this 
mix is very much that sound. Cool. It's great. Anyway, I'll link it. Nice. I am going to recommend an umbrella. It's a rain also. Um, <laughs> I I recently had to use my umbrella in front of a friend who was like, stop. Are you serious? Because I didn't really notice that it had kind of started to disintegrate above me. I've been using it for like 10 years, 10 years after all the time I had flimsy cheap ones that I lost or they broke. I've stuck with an umbrella that an old friend found on a train 10 years ago and gave to me. Were the little spokes coming out? The spokes were coming out. They were poking through. So they were like holes. So I guess rain would come in. Okay. that's. It had a really sturdy wooden handle, which I loved, but the handle had started to kind of get a bit splintery. So I'd really like used this umbrella to death. And I was like, okay, it is not wasteful to replace this with mm-hmm. a new umbrella. So of course I wanted to get the best umbrella. I mean, don't we all? So I spent a little, look, this is a, this is an expensive umbrella, but it is, it has been consistently voted the best umbrella you can buy. Okay. It's from the brand Darvec and it is the traveler umbrella is the one that I bought. It comes in lots of colors, but I bought mine in black and it, I tested it out before Kate came over this afternoon because I needed to give a, you know, a thorough recommendation and it has a button that pops it open and also pops it closed. Oh, that's yeah. good. Hang on, did you did you test it outside the house? Of course. Okay, good. It arrived yesterday, uh, and I ordered it at the end of last week. So okay. it's very fast international shipping. It comes in a little box. It's got a lifetime warranty. And if you ever need to replace it, it gives you a little code so you can get your next one half price. Oh, that's good. Pretty good. And they sell like big golf umbrellas, little travel umbrellas. So all, all different kinds in between. But yeah, I got the Davek Traveler. Mm. Mm. I've got an order also. Mm-hmm. It's a small Melbourne company called Mama Goodness and they make organic plant powered and postpartum minded meals. Uh, so they deliver weekly across Melbourne and Victoria. And essentially it's food for new parents that is really healthy and easy to put together. And so if you've got... If you were like me recently and had, uh, you know, friends who were having a baby and felt like you couldn't really help because you were very time poor, etc., this was kind of a something you can do. And I have heard it was very delicious. A lovely gesture. That's kind of a nice thing you can do because it just even if they're just going to stock their freezer for a while, it's good. Yeah, I have a watch also that I. I was feeling quite insecure about sharing because it is, it feels so obvious, but the FX series, the bear is about to come out in Australia. Finally, it's been like several months since the rest of the world got to watch it. And we legal streamers in Australia have been just quietly waiting for it to drop on Disney plus on the 31st of August, but the waiting has paid off. The bear is about to come out. I got my hands on it a little bit early, watched it all over the course of a few days. And then as soon as it finished, I just went back and watched it all again. Okay. And I have not done a re-binge, an immediate re-binge in like years, I think. Um, I really liked the show. It's really smart. And I can't wait to talk about it with you in like great detail, which we're going to do in a few weeks. So this is your pre- preparation note that uh you can catch up on the bear and then in a few weeks Kate and I'll talk about it yeah I'm really looking forward to it that's when I've been holding off until post fest yeah 
Yeah. I mean, I've read all about the main character's white T-shirt and why the designer got oh it. I know all yeah. about that stuff, but I haven't seen the show. The white T-shirt and, and Ao's shoes and the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the we, sauce. I've got, I mean, I've made, I've made the sauce. It's in my fridge. I'm having for dinner tonight. Okay. We'll get into it. Yeah. My last one is a pickup also because <laughs> everybody loves my niche dog stuff. No one does. I have not received a single message saying thank you, Are you for serious? recommending this dog treat or whatever. No, nobody cares. But I'm, we'll keep going because I feel like if I touch just one person... I don't know. Maybe you're like me and you've got a small dog who does his little business when you're walking him and then he gets really mad at you when you can't uh, open the little bag to pick it up in time. Those bags are really difficult. Mm -hmm. They're really difficult to open. I use them for Carol's poops. Oh, do you? Well, she does it in a box and then i got to get rid of it. you got to get rid of it. Yeah. So I would like to recommend to you the Eco Poop Bags from Scratch. It's a local company who make kibble essentially for dogs it's very dog focused i use their kibble and their treats it's a really really great company top chef loves it but uh they do these biodegradable and compostable bags and i have tried every single one of these bags Mm. these are the best they open so fast so easy Uh, it's what you need on the street that is what the poo bag designers don't don't think about, right? No, they do not. I mean, and they're, you know, they're environmentally friendly as much as they can be. Scratch. Love it. My last one is a read also. It's a new book um, out in Australia called Train Lord by the writer of Oliver Mole. I read it recently and was just really stunned by it. It's it's an incredible story. It's kind of a memoir Um about working on the Sydney train network, about being a writer, about uh, experiencing chronic pain and how all of those things kind of wove in and out of Oliver's life. His first book, Lion Attack, came out in 2015 and to like great acclaim, like people loved it. He was getting written up as this kind of like alt lit poster boy, I guess, especially in Australia where that scene hadn't quite trickled into the extent it did in the States. But as the book was coming out, he got a migraine that lasted for 10 months during which he couldn't look at screens. He couldn't use his phone or a laptop. He couldn't write. He couldn't read. He, you know, as I think is probably natural, that series of events developed like pretty fucked up view of like the world and his future and all of these things and, and sought every kind of cure he could. And, um, when he needed to find a job, he needed a job where he didn't have to look at a screen all day. And he started driving trains around Sydney's train network, the way that all of these stories and his history and his past and present kind of merge through the book is just like really stunning. It's an incredible book. And as you're reading it, you're like, how did you write this Hmm. um yeah i really loved it that's great i haven't heard of it yeah cool wonderful this is good yeah oh my god jinxie it's so good to be back yeah it's really nice to be back bl yeah we'll be back again next week we're refreshed and recharged and uh ready to do some more episodes every week thanks so much for listening as always please follow us at see also podcast on instagram 
share the episodes, tag your friends, tell your friends, tag us. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think, what you want to hear in some future episodes, because we're um, we're planning ahead at the moment. We sure are. And uh, go on, leave us a five star review. Why don't you on Apple Podcasts? It does help. Uh, and thanks as ever to Samuel Hodge for our beautiful imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our theme song. See you next week. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.